Thank you. Thank you. I feel the love. Big hug back. Please be seated. Make yourselves comfortable. Can someone drag this over for me, please? I like it to be right here. Is that possible? Oh, the... Uh, you've, there you go. Thank you. Radio. I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, kind of... Uh, Ain't or attentive in that way, you know? I've got to just have everything right where it is. <laughs> there we go. How are you going? Good. Seeing as this is the first time I've been to Tauranga, I'm going to introduce my... To give, you, give you a little bit of brief background to me. Um, I'm an Aussie-Italian hybrid. Uh, my father migrated from Italy to Australia in the early 1950s, so I'm a first-generation uh, Australian on that side. My mum is an Aussie born and bred girl. Um, I have, been, as, the, as the wonderful uh, first lady of the house, she's an Americanism, uh, said I have been gallivanting for Jesus for, well, actually travelling full-time for almost 30 years. I've been in full-time ministry for 31. I personally don't like the word itinerant. I actually uh, requested Pastor Eleanor to not use that word because it sounds like I'm homeless. And... Um, it's like it's the sixth gift of the fivefold ministry, and I'm a full-time prophet. And uh, I just firstly do want to thank you, you both, the pastors Alan and Eleanor, for the invitation for having me here. And um, I felt like I couldn't say no another time. That's really that was. There comes a point in, with some churches, I just can't say no uh, another time. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I, I didn't because I've been blessed my, myself already so far. I feel like I've been increased and particularly by the ministry of Pastor John, our apostolic global director, the big kahuna, the head honcho. Uh, of, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, it, it, and in fact, that was a part of the draw card. If I can be honest, I thought Pastor John's going to be here. I thought I, I, I'm, I'm going to be here too. And um, I am married to a tall, dark and handsome visitation called Damien. Now, We've got a photo of, of Damien. You've got my name spelt wrong up there. I hope it's spelt right up here. It's Vicky with an I. Just for the, uh, there you go. I'm just a bit particular about it. Because if you want to check out my website, it's Vicky, V-I-C-K-I Simpson.com. And so I haven't come with books, but I've got some resource on there. So if you want to uh, check, out, check out my website. So there he is. Hey, put him back up. There he is. So, um, I was a late bloomer. I didn't get married till my early 40s. And uh, that's, that actually was taken in Queenstown. We are convinced that's where Jesus lives. We, we, we go there to be refreshed. And, um, and so I'm a, I'm a bit older than my husband. So, you know, Queen Cougar of the Church of Jesus Christ in Australia. Uh, and it was, it, 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 was, it was a long time. Sometimes... You know, people think I was just like there, kind of like praying and waiting for my, my husband. And two points. Firstly, sometimes you kiss a few frogs before you meet your prince. So that was a, you know, a case in my instance. And, uh, and secondly, uh, I came to a point where I was just over men, like over it. I thought I'm going to start the first Pentecostal convent. Like I'm married to Jesus. I've just had enough. But um, this was the man who changed my mind. Married an architect. I thought, Awesome. Good earning potential as an itinerant minister under the tax-free threshold for decades. I thought this is going to be, this is going to be fantastic. And we'd only be married half a dozen years or so when he gave it up for this. Next photo, please. 
If you've got number two photo handy, here he is. My husband, the marathon runner. He, uh, he, he, I thought he was going through midlife crisis and he started regretting all these things he could have done. My husband's a pastor's kid and he felt like he, a church planter's kid actually, and he felt like he missed out on a whole lot of opportunity. And he was sort of like bemoaning the fact of what could have been and he discovered he had a gift of running. This is actually a word for somebody, incidentally. He felt like uh, he'd had this gift that he didn't know he had. He could do well without much training. Wondered what could have been. The wife says these magic final last words, uh, famous last words. Who says it's too late? Who says it's too late? And I said, why don't you go and get assessed by someone who knows what they're talking about rather than assuming that it's too late. And that's what he did. And um, uh, a coach assessed him and figured that it wasn't too late And so he stepped into this quest to see as far as it could could take him. Um, If you're into running at all, my husband has a a PB of about the 2 hours 35 for the marathon. And uh, he thought maybe, who knew, knew, maybe he could get to represent Australia. Well, that hasn't happened, but he did get to represent the state of New South Wales. So um, there you go. Who says it's too late? So, so that's it. That's, that's just me in a nutshell. And I just feel, actually, just to encourage you, Pastor Ellie, and I say Pastor Ellie intentionally, because you are a, an Ephesians 4.11 pastor. And I was reminded of when my father, Prophet, the minister who trained me and released me into the office of the Prophet, I remember him sitting me down in his office and saying, Vicky, you're called to the office of the prophet. And I said, oh, no, Chris, don't tell me that. No, no, because I came from a movement that didn't actually ordain women in ministry. And I thought, I'm just going to go back home to that particular church. And this is just going to cause me more grief than I was already feeling. And I always assumed I was going to marry a pastor and that I would be a pastor's wife because that was the only model of ministry that I had seen. Never did I ever think that I would be doing what I'm doing today in my own right. But it came a time when he sat me down and he said, you're called to be a prophet. And I'm going, no, can't I just be a woman? Can't I just be a woman of God, handmaiden of the Lord? You know, he said, no. He said, the apostle Paul knew who he was and he would declare Paul an apostle called to the Gentiles. And there comes a time when we need to own our calling and put our yes and amen to the call of God. So I release that revelation. into You know it, but you have wrestled with it. And it doesn't matter if anyone else, whether you're ordained, whether you're prayed for, whether you've got a piece of paper, I hear the Lord saying that you are a pastor, Ephesians 4.11 pastor called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. You get an agreement. You get an agreement. You do what Pastor John has been teaching us and you are just going skyrocket to new levels in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, here we go for the 22 minutes I've got left. Let's read Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 20. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called 
Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. So this was the time. The time. The very first time where Jesus met Peter and Andrew. The first encounter. Do you remember the time? Do you remember the first time, that first encounter? I go back to 1980, Christmas Day 1980. I had been on a quest since the age of 15 to discover the meaning of life. I had been raised Catholic and had attended Catholic girls' school for, for high school. And about the age of 15, something within me started being hungry to know. I remember when the priest would come to school for things like confession, I would walk in and I'd start to interrogating. <laughs> I would start to ask these questions. And I started to read the Bible. As it turned out, to any teachers here today, be encouraged because it was actually a teacher who gave me my first ever Bible. And it was the old King James Version. And I did my best to try and navigate it and, and, and learn from it and read from it. But I remember one day reading, don't call anyone father except your heavenly father. I remember father coming to take confession and me going in, father, why am I calling you father? The Bible says I'm not meant to call you father. And I actually tried a whole lot of spiritual options. I tried a lot of Eastern religion. I tried some stuff that was downright occultish in hindsight. Don't worry, Pastor John, I have repented and have, you know, <laughs> shut the, cleaned out the room, shut the door. <laughs> I even went to a Hare Krishna festival once. I remember uh, me and my boyfriend at the time went to this Hare Krishna festival in Perth, which is where I was uh, born and bred. And to be honest, the reason we went was they advertised a 15-course banquet. And we thought, ooh, 15-course banquet. Just for the record, their food is disgusting. Like their food tasted terrible. And 15 courses, all it was was 15 different things on the plate. Now, I know in New Zealand you don't know a whole lot about Italian culture like what we do in Australia, but to an Italian that was a disgrace. Actually, those of you who are Māori, we're exactly the same. Exactly the same culturally. The three Fs, I call it. The three Fs. Family, food, and a fight. That's, that's true. I just resonate with Māori culture so... But I thought, man, this is, this is disgusting. Anyway, one... And so after this quest, this journey, trying all these sorts of spiritual options... I took myself to church. I was one of the few people who responded to a newspaper advertisement. No one actually invited me to church. I just decided it was Christmas Day. I wanted to go to church, but I didn't want to go to Mass. And I just saw something that was relatively close, drove myself there by myself, and it turned out to be an Assemblies of God church. And as I walked and I immediately felt something different. Very small church, incidentally. Like, like 
you know, it was only like half of this block. It was tiny. And I felt the warmth and the welcome as I arrived. And I expected to be hearing a Christmas Day message. You know, baby Jesus, Joseph, Mary, wise men, maybe a nativity scene. But no, what I heard was actually from John 10.10. The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You know, it's like the penny dropped. In that moment, the the lights went on. I would have said I was looking for a cause. I would have said I was looking for a purpose, for the meaning of life. But at that moment, I realized that's what I'm looking for. That's what I need. Abundant life. And I never, ever, ever associated Jesus with abundant life. I thought, hello, Jesus, goodbye life. <laughs> I'd, see, I'd seen Jesus on the cross every day of my school education and had never, ever joined the dots between Jesus and life. And what's more, it wasn't just what I heard that day. It's what I felt. Because I sensed the manifest presence of God for the first time in my life. Oh, and you know, I can, I can remember. I can, I can recall as I walked out the doors of those, that church. As it turned out, the pastor didn't have a salvation altar call as, as we know it. But as I walked out the door of the church and the pastor wished me a Merry Christmas, I burst into tears. And, and he, there and then he asked me the question, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you given, given your heart to the Lord? Something along those lines. I did not understand the question. So I thought I've been christened, first Holy Communion confirmed, three times that I know of. And so I said, I think so. I think, but clever pastor, if you think so and don't know so, probably haven't so. And so he led me right there on the doorstep of that just in a prayer. And you know what? Becoming born again, receiving, receiving the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior is not about a feeling. I want to make that, that clear. It's, it's, it's the proof of that decision is not some sort of feeling. But I did feel something. My goodness me. For me, it was instant. I mean, at that moment, I don't know if you realize what happens when you get born again. We change spiritual address. We move from darkness to light, from death to life. And in that moment, I felt that weight of sin lift off my shoulders and I was filled with joy. And I started to skip like a spring lamb out of that church. And I drove home that day singing the songs I'd heard for the first time. And from that moment, I could not get enough. I wanted to be in. I wanted to get back. I I just could not get enough. I wanted to learn. I wanted to know. I had found what I had been looking for. Do you remember that first encounter, that first time? And at that first time to Peter and Andrew, he said, as he says to us, come follow me. The first call at the first meeting was come, follow me. There was no negotiation, no explanation, no elaboration. And I believe the Lord is saying to us all afresh, come, follow me. That's all the disciples heard. That's all they heard. 
from someone they had never met before. And they left everything. They left everything. That's mind-blowing. I remember when I made that decision, it did come at a cost because my parents reacted very differently. My, my mum, on the one hand, thought it was great. She said, I'd rather you be in a, be, being in a church than taking drugs at a nightclub. Whatever. But my father, he was so offended. He thought I joined a cult. He was embarrassed. When I started going to church twice on a Sunday, he thought I'd lost the plot. My father did not speak to me or acknowledge me for at least a year. And we lived in the same house. He hardly spoke to me for five years. And it took him about 10 to get used to the idea that this isn't going away. I I knew what it was to forsake all and follow him. But I had the example of these guys. I had the example of, of the disciples who had done it previously, who'd gone before me. But they didn't. Have you ever wondered, what was it that compelled them? What was it for them to, to make this radical turn, to surrender their life to someone that they met for the first time in an instant, to leave their business, leave everything that they had known to follow him? I, I believe I've got a little bit of insight today. You want to hear it? <laughs> John ten twenty seven says this, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear and they follow. My sheep hear and they follow. There's no following without hearing. And I believe it's impossible to disciple people to Jesus without discipling them to his voice. Without empowering them and releasing them to hear the voice of God. If you're a pastor here today, we need, we, we, we need to acknowledge and recognize that sheep are allowed to hear. Sheep are allowed to hear. It's their God-given right. And that the voice of God isn't just a cherry on the cake. It's the cake. It's the cake. So today, I want to speak to every single one of you who has given your life to Jesus. You hear his voice. You are his sheep and you hear his voice, whether you realize it or not. Not potentially, not maybe, not perhaps. You do. It's one of those things, incidentally, that I built in my life. Like Pastor John was, was sharing about that declaration. I, was, I am your sheep and I do hear your voice. And especially in those times, there's someone here today and you're really, I see you just up against a wall. You're not sure whether to turn to the left or to the right and you're getting panicked. There's someone here and you've been given, I'm seeing a clock counting down. Maybe it's me looking at that thing up there. Anyway, um, but you, you feel like, I just saw the sand on the hourglass. Like your time starts now and you're starting to panic. We've got to make this decision. In fact, you're a couple. I can see you looking at each other. What are we going to do? And I, and I hear the Lord saying that your times are in his hands. Your time isn't in the bank's hand. Your time is it in the foreclosure? Your time isn't in that authority or that your time is in God's hand. 
And God wants you to know, because you feel the panic and the fear is, is quenching the voice of God. But you need to, to, I believe, to be encouraged today. Be reassured today. You hear his voice when you're on top or when you're in the bottom, when you're up or when you're down, whether you're young or whether you're old. All sheep, just sheep, young sheep, old sheep, in the ministry sheep, not in the ministry sheep. Hey, tall sheep, short, doesn't matter what type of sheep, just sheep. Just sheep. Um, some people got this idea, especially about us prophetic people, like we came out of the womb speaking in tongues. Like we, we just somehow have got, do you know what? I have a grace. I have an anointing for the church. But when I am relating to my heavenly father as a child of God, I have no added advantage over you. He said, you understand my grace to hear is, is for you guys. But for me, it's just I'm the sheep who hears his voice. No different. Can we just say this is a level playing field here now? Like this is, we, the, the, the kingdom of God isn't this hierarchy. And it's just like, oh, we got the poor sheep, you know, and they're just, you know, they, they, they've got to work really hard, you know, to kind of gain, uh, you know, some, some increased spirituality. Like this, the voice of God is not a reward for good behavior. The, the, the voice of God isn't something you can earn. It isn't something, oh, you know, like and we see people like top of the totem and think, oh, you know, like, oh, these ones, they just can hear God's voice. You know, they've just got this preference. God loves them more. They're, they're just more, more spiritual. Oh, can we just debunk that myth for a moment? 1 Corinthians 6.17, I don't even know if I'm going off script now. I know it's there. It is part of it. But one who, gee, I'm more in kind of following the notes and I realize the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with God. So you're one spirit with God. You, every single one of you, you young whippersnippers down here, you're giving your life to Jesus. You are one spirit with God. So, so how much more spiritual can you get? Some people are afraid of getting super spiritual. Don't want to be super spiritual. Don't want to be too spiritual. You're already seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I'm sorry, it's too late. You, you, that, you can't get more super or more spiritual than that. In fact, some, I'm going a bit off script, but oh, I'll drink to that. No, I won't go off script. This fear of being super spiritual, I will go there. Often what we perceive as being, oh, they're flaky, oh, they're super spiritual. It's not spiritual at all. It's the flesh trying to be spiritual. You cannot have too much Holy Spirit. Can we establish that today? No such thing as too much Holy Ghost. Impossible. So there we go. I got that off my chest. And so back to these disciples, back to... Back to the disciples, which happened a number of times. Come follow me. Why were they able to leave all, forsake everything, make this 180-degree turnaround, this radical change in the direction of their life? Why? Because they heard the voice. They heard the voice. They, they, They received a word from God. Come follow me. Come. And have you considered... 
So Jesus is the Word. He is, right, according to John chapter 1, He is the Word made flesh. He is the living Word of God. And so they received in those moments, that moment, come follow me, they received a word from the Word. They received a word from the Word. They received a rhema. A rhema, a word come alive. Do you know that experience where someone might say something to you and suddenly, whether it is a prophecy or not, but just something, it just lights up within you. Like when I heard John 10.10 for the first time, that word, it wasn't the voice of the pastor I heard. I received the voice of Jesus it, and it, it was, had substance and it had power and it was living and it was active and it did something in my spirit. And it changed everything. A word from the word. When you're reading the word of God, you're reading, you're reading. I remember the first time I read Matthew 6.33. It was actually before I had that experience on Christmas Day. I was at this crossroads and I, I was in it. Oh, just so many hard things I was going through. It was just uh, before I turned 19. And oh, it was just such a terrible, I, I recall it. And it just was so painful and so horrible. And, and I saw the scripture. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. So I got that, that scripture jumped off the page and, and just, just grabbed me, just seized a hold of me. I didn't even totally understand it. I, didn't, I, I remember, I remember try, trying to uh, do what that scripture said. I think I pulled the rosary beads back out. I was trying to stop swearing, a few other things. Like I just thought, seek first the kingdom's righteousness. I'll try and be righteous. But I remember within a matter of days that it was a significant breakthrough in my life. And so when, 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 when the voice of the Lord comes, it comes in all these different ways. And these disciples received a word from God that activated faith in them. It compelled them. It captivated them. They left everything and followed. Come follow me. Last year I had a vision. It was of the Lord Jesus in, in, in like this uh, dance position, like a waltz, an old, old style waltz with a pastor that I know. And... As they, as they started to dance, it was, a, it, it was kind of not a bit clunky. And, and this pastor, like he was looking down at his feet, really wanting to do the right thing. But, but, but he kept stepping on Jesus' toes. And, and it was, um, you know, it was quite, it was, it was just getting a bit, mm. when at, at one point, Jesus looked into this pastor's face and he said these words. Let me lead. Let me lead. And as that pastor relaxed for a moment, things started to flow. Things started to flow. Took me back to when I was a little girl. And it's family, functions, celebrations, weddings, for example. I used to love to dance with my Uncle Rocco. Uncle Rock, Uncle, Uncle Rock. Uncle Rocco was, among other things, a dance instructor. And as a little girl, I'd love dancing with him because I felt for those, for those moments, I could dance. I could dance. The reality was he was leading. He was leading. And I, 
from memory, I think I even might have been standing on his feet at some, at some point. As I let him lead, I was able to glide and dance. And I believe God wants to invite us into a divine dance. A divine dance where we let Jesus lead. And you know, for, I think for the last couple of decades, it's been a lot of focus on leadership. A lot of focus on leadership. Leadership training, leadership colleges, school of leaders, which is great. It's great. It's been good stuff. But I feel perhaps the pendulum swung a bit too far in one direction. And I believe God wants to bring the pendulum to this focus today of following. To following. Come follow me. It'd be great if we had some followership conferences, some following schools, some following training. School of followership. Can I have the worship team return, please? The first call to the first disciples was to follow Jesus. Not him, not her, this or that. Paul or Apollos, but Jesus. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, the Apostle Paul said this to the Corinthians, I'm afraid that even as the serpent beguiled Eve by his cunning, that your minds may be corrupted and led away from the simplicity of your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Some of you at the moment are faced with like options, decisions, pressures, a lot of stuff going on in your life. I feel like God wants to bring our focus laser sharp to sincere and pure de- devotion to Christ. In this vision of the dance, one more thing happened. So as this pastor started to let Jesus lead, the next thing that happened was this. Because he was looking, he was looking at, at, at the steps. The pastor was, was worried about putting a foot wrong. Worried about the steps. And it reminded me of our wedding dance. My husband and my wedding dance. It's traditional, right? At the wedding reception for the bride and groom to have a dance. Never occurred to me that that would be, you know, an option. I, I thought that well, my husband wasn't keen on the idea. I said, babe, we've got to dance. We've got to have the, I started to get really upset. We've got to have a wedding dance. He said, why can't, I can't dance. I said, well, neither can I. I didn't care. I just thought we'd do a, a two-foot shuffle, you know, and a nice warm embrace, lovey-dovey, kissy-kissy. Who cares? Like, he said, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it properly. Has anyone married their opposite? <laughs> My husband announces three weeks before the wedding, if we're going to do the wedding dance, we've got to do it choreographed. As if a bride doesn't have enough pressure. As it turned out, we had a dance instructor in our church, Daniel. And uh, this was the condition. There was going to be no dance if I didn't com- comply with this requirement for choreography. And even then, I didn't really realise what I was getting myself into. Because I thought, okay, he's going to just teach us, you know, some steps. Some steps. No, oh, no, mate. We are dancing with the stars. Like, it was like full 
I, oh, it was so stressful. So stressful. And, and at one point, as Daniel was instructing Damien and myself in, you know, this grand production, he said to me, Vicky, Vicky, stop looking at your feet. You need to look at his face. You need to look at his face. And in this vision I had, Jesus said to my friend, it's not about your feet. It's about my face. Don't worry about the steps. If you look at my face, the steps will fall into place. And I feel there's a shift that's going to take place in many lives today. God wants to restore something in the area of your relationship with Jesus. Restoring the joy of your salvation, your first love, coming back to what is first and foremost and always be the premier thing, the most important, that which is vital. Only one thing is necessary, and that is our love for Jesus. Our relationship, Jesus died on a cross in order to restore us back to the Father. It is and was and always will be about relationship with Him. That's what it's all about. Relationship with Jesus. We can get caught up with the steps, the steps, the steps. And God wants us to return our gaze to His face. And I don't know you all here today. And I have no idea what spiritual condition you are in as you sit here in this conference. I'm not going to assume because you are sitting here in church that all is well with you and the Lord. I'm not going to assume that Jesus is first and foremost, first in your life. I'm not even going to assume that you have made that decision like I did back in 1980. Do you know what? I was someone who never stuck at anything. I was renowned for never finishing anything. In fact, people would console my father and say, it's just a phase. It's just a phase. So it's 43 years later, longest phase I've ever been in. And maybe today, for you, it's the start of an incredible journey of walking with God, of knowing the Lord Jesus, of being, of, of moving, of relocating from darkness to light, from death to life. There's someone here today and you used to, you used to walk closely with God and now he's at arm's length. I'd love you all to close your eyes for a moment because it'd be very remiss of me if I didn't give you an opportunity in this moment to come back to come back some of you have had big disappointments and it's caused a wedge between you and the Lord and although you still believe the reality is you're not surrendered anymore because you don't know if you could trust him because of the pain that you've been through maybe you're here and you've never even heard this message before you even know you could have a relationship with God I'm not talking about just knowing about him I'm talking about knowing him he is real in your life. So just in this moment that we have, 
I'd love you to have a moment of honest reflection because this is an opportunity to reset. This is an opportunity to get back in sync. Remember when you, you sink, you see, I sink my watch. I have a Fitbit. I, it gets, I have to sync it with my phone. Synchronize. Synchronize. Some of you t- today need to get synchronized again with the Lord Jesus. Some of you, you need, it's like a defibrillator. You know, when you're back in rhythm, you know, like the defibrillators, those they put on people when they're in, in cardiac arrest or, or their, their heart is getting out of rhythm. I feel God's doing that with some people. Boom. Get your heart back in rhythm, back in rhythm with the Lord. So if that's, if that's you today, I'd love you to indicate. Quite simply, you know, God is literally, He's, he's uttering those words to your heart. Come follow me. Come follow me. Whether that's for the first time or another time. Equally as important is your response, your response to that call. So that's you. I'd love you. Just to raise your hand right where you are right now. Say, yep, that's me. I've got to come back. God bless you, sweetheart. Is there anybody? Yeah, God bless you. God, right, put them high so I can see. God bless you. Is there anybody else? Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Amen. Yep, I see your hand over there. Amen. Anybody else? I feel like God is, there's a, don't, don't, someone right now, you're going, you're afraid, you're afraid of the cost, you're afraid. So, you know, God's going to be the only one who, see, who sees your hand. You might even be in church, you might be in leadership, you might know that, you think, what are people going to say? This is what's important is what's happening. God bless you, mate. That's awesome. God bless you, sweetheart. I feel like there's just a few more. Yeah, I see that's a very powerful decision. Good on you, mate. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just, just lingering. I'm just feeling God still. There's someone's got to cross over the line today. Someone, yeah, God bless you, darling. God's going to heal your heart as well. Sweetheart, just raise your hand. God's bringing healing. There's been a season of grief, a season of mourning. God says He will turn your mourning into dancing. He will take off your sackcloth and clothe you with gladness. One last time. I've gone over. And, yep, God bless you, mate. Yep, there's the reset happening. Come follow me. God bless you, sweetheart. The reset happening. Getting back in alignment with Him. A surrender, a new surrender. God bless you, darling. God bless you, sweetheart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yep, God bless you. That's it. That's it now. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, thank you, Father. Amen. Yep, darling, I'm all right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yep, I see this. It's like the momentum. Yep, God bless you. I see like God, He's moving by His Spirit. Yep, that's it right now. Yep, down the back. That's fantastic. Yep, yeah, every single hand, every single decision. What what is what is happening is 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 you're getting back in alignment. It's like you're coming back. You're coming and I see where the enemy has ripped each and every one of you off because you've been you've been holding back. You've been, there's someone here you haven't even walked into church for some time and you've come back because you've been invited. And the Lord says that he welcomes you, welcomes you, embraces you with open arms today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Every single person who raised your hands and even them who 
Even if you haven't raised your hand up to this date, but you know, God is knocking on your door and it is time. I'd love you to all raise your hands together. Can you do that? Every single person, raise your hands together. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. There's at least half of the church. Amen. That's it. Come on. This is important. This is important. And we're going to pray. Can we all? Yeah, that's it. That's awesome. And we all, can we all pray this prayer together? And for some of you, this might, this is a prayer you're familiar with, but it's just a reset so that you would know on this day, on this date in September 2023, that you heard the call, come follow me, come follow me, come follow me. So you're all ready to pray? I want you to repeat this out of your mouth. Every single one of us, us in support of the ones who've raised their hands. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me to give me life. And right now, I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Saviour. I'm sorry I've ignored you and lived life my own way. But today I choose your way. I thank you that you love me and you have great plans for my life as I come and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me pray for you, Father, right now, for every single person, Lord, today who has let go, let go to follow afresh. I pray, Father God, that they would know right now the tangible touch of your Spirit. I break right now things that have held them back. I break right now fears, confusion, And I thank you, Lord, for vision, for vision of you, that they will engage in a divine dance to follow you, to let you lead. Everybody say, I let you lead. I let you lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.